Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. My guests are writers. I want to find out how do I become an author? Elizabeth Irene Beatty is my guest and then Boachua Glova is also my guest. It's great to have you in the studio. Boachua, welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much, Albert. Good to be here. It's a blessing. Elizabeth Irene. I love it. It sounds very British. It is indeed. Hello, Albert. I'll stick with Baba and I'll survive. That works. All right. Welcome to Springboard. Right. So we want to find out, we want to talk to people who are talented in in fashion, horticulture, cooking, art, organizing, dance, poetry, speaking, Anyone who has a God-given ability that they are passionate about and want to you, how you found yours and how you are using it so that somebody out there can see. I want to begin using what God gave me. It's good enough to use. Right. So let me start with you, um, Baba. How, how, how did you discover your writing talent? Did, did, you, did you stumble on it in, in your older years or did you grow up knowing that you, you just loved writing? At the age of five or six, if you asked me, what did you want to be when you grew up? There was only one answer. I wanted to be a writer. Right. Yes. It was something I knew from when I was very little. I loved books. I read voraciously. I, I was an avid reader. I was one of those children who you didn't give your books to me in school because I would read them during class and the teacher would confiscate the book. <laughs> and I always wanted to create the kind of joy that I found in those books for, um, for other readers as well. So... Yes, I guess it was probably inside me. Talking of that, did you did you pinch other people's books and take them home? <laughs> was, 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 was that a culture I, when I, you were I lusted after other people's books. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you a very funny story. I mean, my 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 son's former school, the the a, a, an, an American dean of students. He didn't know it was a culture here in Ghana that when you buy a book, you don't own it. The whole class owns the book. So my son took somebody's book and brought it home, and he said he was going to sanction my son for taking somebody's book and bringing it home. And my son said, oh, I took it and I brought it back. He says, no, but it wasn't yours. And I said, I went to the school and said to him, hey, I bought my son 30 books. He brought it to the school. He didn't even bring one back. Please, yeah, we share it. Yes. Right. So you were taking other people's books, taking them away. I would, I would bring read, them back, though. Bring them back <laughs> by reading everybody's books. Everybody's books, that's right. Right, right. But did you, did, you, did you think growing up that you would be a writer? Oh, yeah. I think my story is very similar to... Baba, well, Elizabeth, we had a whole discussion before the show started on which one to use. Um, my story is very, very similar. I think for as far back as I could remember, I mean, people say when I learned my ABCs, I was writing. So I was writing on rolls of computer paper from five, six, writing all kinds of stories. And it stemmed from reading. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting writing came from the interesting reading. Mm-hmm. So reading all types of books mm-hmm. and then wanting to tell similar stories, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. similar to who you are. So that's where it really came from. But to be honest as well, my dad was a writer, so part of it is also probably genetic. Right. But I've always loved it, yeah. Actually, some are born with it. <laughs> do, do you think that if somebody wanted their children to become writers, the first line of preparation should be a culture of reading? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. 100%. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. So the parents listening tonight at least have one clue, <laughs> one, one tip about how to get a child to become a writer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. What about language? How, how important, Elizabeth, I mean, help us understand. I, I couldn't imagine that you would be able to write 
convincingly if you didn't have a command of the language, if you couldn't, if you weren't, um, you didn't have that agility with words, able to twist them around, bend them, create the situation that you want to convey. You need a certain flexibility in your mind. You need to be able to flip the words around and use them properly. So for me, I, I would say you, you absolutely have to have a command of the language. That would come from using the language and reading excellent books because you, you, you read and the, the, the way the writer uses language just sticks in your mind and you find that your use of the language improves as well. Right, yeah. right. Language as a tool. So, so definitely a person who doesn't, who doesn't command, have, have a good command of language will be very severely restricted in their quest to become an author, Bajua. Yes, and because language is like uh, Elizabeth Irene mentioned, you're trying to create imagery in someone's mind. You're trying to translate what is in your head and your heart into someone else's mind. That's a very difficult thing to do where you want them to feel what you're feeling, see what you're seeing in your mind. And the way you do that is through words, is through language. So the language isn't there. If their command of it, use of it isn't there, it's very distracting. You're missing something in that exchange because you're not writing just for yourself. You're writing to tell a story, to say something to someone. How do you do that if your communication tool isn't sharp? Right. And so that's you, just really the, the basic premise of it. So you both do fiction? Yes, I do fiction. I do fiction too. <laughs> do, I, I haven't done fiction before. I, I, I do a different kind of writing. But how difficult is it to do fiction? How, you do what you, how, how difficult is it to... Is it very difficult? Because this is what I do, <laughs> which is fiction, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Like, if I've tried both genres, like nonfiction and fiction, then I can compare. Well, so but fiction is easier for me because I see myself as a storyteller. Right. Um, the thought of doing nonfiction is you're, you're bound by so many rules. You're trying to be factual. You're trying to say something that actually happened. Whereas uh, fiction just gives you room to be creative, to expand, sort of go wherever you want to go with the story. Absolutely. So it's a lot easier to just let it flow, shape it the way you want to shape it versus nonfiction, which to me is a bit terrifying. Like if I see some of the <laughs> thick documentary, I mean like uh, nonfiction books and science books, it's just What's absolutely the, the terrifying largest, for me. the largest size of book you've written? I think it would be between the justice and circles, but it's not massive. I mean, for me... It's still 300 plus pages. Yeah. So you, I haven't written Okay, of course, only, only one of them of that size. But they are big books. So really, it means that, yes, they are big books. So it's, it's big. So for anyone who you're saying content is big... <laughs> how, Elizabeth Irene, how, how, does it, how does the journey start in creating content? Do you sometimes get a little idea and build around always. it. Always. It always starts from a little idea. And that little idea can come from anywhere. It can come from a conversation I had with you, something I read in the newspaper, well, something on. I if saw. You, if you get any idea from here. Credits. Don't worry. You won't recognize yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, want, I, I, I like want to that. sign some, some agreement about that. Any idea you get from here, I have a stick in that one. <laughs> From everywhere, right. I, I often carry around a little notebook so that when I see or hear interesting things, I jot them down. I don't want to forget them because you do forget. And all of them are like little seeds from which a story can grow. And sometimes you know straight away what you want to do with this. And other times, you know it's interesting. You're not sure what you want to do with it. But you just put it down. And in time, you find that you always make use of those little tidbits that you've put down. So with me, it always comes from a little seed or something. And then I grow the story from that. One thing I really want to do tonight is open the phone lines later in the show for 
for people who are trying to become writers to speak to you directly and ask you about their fears, their anxieties, their challenges with, with becoming writers. I, I, I look forward to a day when I'll enter several different achievers' libraries and see purely, only solely African material, Hallelujah. diverse African <laughs> materials, <laughs> and, 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 not, and not find them with, with, with 80 20 um, uh, in favor of, of, of foreign materials. And so, the more writers that we can generate or produce, mm-hmm. the more our story gets mm-hmm. told the way that we want it told. Absolutely. So, okay. So, let, let me talk about influences. Wh- wh- which writers influenced you growing up, Bojo? So, to be quite honest, and that's just because of the culture we were in and the availability of African literature. So, for me growing up, it was the foreign books. I mean, just to be honest. Which, which so it's particular like, writers? Um, which? Well, you start from when I was a child, more from, say, Enid Blyton and going up from there. Then I got into folks like Stephen King very early, maybe more early than I should have been reading Stephen King, and then John Grisham and the like. And then eventually transitioned to some African books from Chinua Achebe and then Amatedo. So it, 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 when you're exposed, it starts from some of those foreign books. And right. then you start to look for something more similar to you. And eventually you find some, but maybe not as many as you'd like. Irene, uh, Elizabeth, Irene, did, did any of them influence your style? Did any of them, did you find that you ended up writing like any of them in particular? Not like them, but I was definitely inspired by them. Um, as Bachu was said, Enid Blyton, mm-hmm. just for, for prolific nature, she just turned them out and they were exciting. Yes. She had, yes, she yeah. had the ability to take you on different journeys all over the place and um, and each one was exciting. And and then C.S. Lewis, I adored him, The right. Land, The Witch and the Wardrobe, I read that over and oh, over yeah. and over again. And <laughs> And yes, Louisa May Alcott, I read Little Women, I don't know how many times. It was quite a thick book, there was Little Women and then... uh, Exactly, exactly. And um, that, for me, was the way she could transport you back then into 19th century America, and everything felt so real. Those strongly influenced uh, my desire to write for young people and I don't think that ever went away even as I grew older and read um, as much as I said I fell in love with John Grisham and so forth however I still always knew that my first love would probably always be young adults and children's fiction because that's that's where the that's where the passion was by the time I was a little older there's so many other distractions so the, the the journey is not quite the same but when you are young you're just lost in that dream world and that's what I want to create again for right. those that I write for let me find out your greatest moment as an author and I'll, I'll tell you mine. But let me find out. <laughs> let me find out your greatest moment as an author, Elizabeth Irene. What, what, what would you call your that day when you felt? Listen, the hours that I spend writing are worth every single minute is worth it. Can you remember a day when somebody read your book, somebody bought your book, something happened that made you say, "Wow, this is what we live for. This is what makes being an author worth it." Can you can you trace a moment like that in your life? Um, yes, it would probably be my second book. My first book, uh, published book, was A Saint in Brown Sandals, which I wrote for young readers. Slow readers. down, slow down. So <laughs> Sorry, I speak so fast. My mom says I speak as if I have hot kelly in my mouth. Sorry. Did <laughs> she say that? Yes. <laughs> A Saint in Brown Sandals was the first. That made me feel, oh, Baba, you've got something here. Right. But it was the twelfth heart that made me feel completely fulfilled because I had so many challenges when I was writing that book, which will probably come to later. And to have that book selected as the winner of the Best Award for Africa, that... Tell us about that one. Tell us us about that experience of the award. 
and if you don't mind about the the, the a bit about the, the challenges the, that preceded it. But just when so I, somebody when listening I, with a, sim, a similar experience. When I was experience. writing, when I was writing the Twelfth Heart, it's um, my computer crashed, and right. you would think somebody with a bit of common sense would have backed up, but I hadn't. I hadn't backed up, These and I real lost life, real yeah, life issues. I lost everything, and right. then my husband became gravely ill, very very ill, and I felt as if I couldn't go on any longer. And that's where I think I should mention over here that it's very important to encourage people. Sometimes we don't realize the effect our words have on people. Right. But my dad, who always fed my writing habit when I was little, he's constantly flooding me with books, kept asking me, so the, your computer crashed and you lost everything. Are you going to write the book again? And I told him, no, I can't. My husband is not well. I have to focus on him. And daddy would keep calling. Every day he would call me and he'd say, but you, you, you wrote it. So you have all the words in your head. Absolutely. Just because you're lost from the computer doesn't mean you can't recreate it again. I think you should go on. And he would just go on and on and on. <laughs> I think probably after about a month, I thought to myself, you know, let me just yes, Exactly. <laughs> Let me just do this. And once I began writing, once I began, it was just flowing so beautifully, so much more easily because I'd written it before, but now I knew exactly the way I wanted it to go. And um, when I finished writing that book, I was crying. I wept all over my my laptop. And uh, at this point, I just want to say thank you, Daddy, because my dad really encouraged me. I think it wasn't for him. I'd probably have given up. Mention his full name. (laughs) It's Reverend Anthony Saki. Right, Reverend Saki, thank you for encouraging me in the studio with, with this with this story. So let me let, some experts say that really what you are doing, what you what you went through was actually a scientific process. It's not uh, it's it, it was just a reflection of how they recommend that you write. That's when you do a first draft, literally as it were, throw it away. That's what it yes, yes. Some experts recommend that Absolutely. actually as a process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so you find that that particular work had some... Even now, there's still something in your eyes when you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it did work, but I must admit I haven't had the courage to do that again. To absolutely true. I, I just went through it. I can't. <laughs> I was beaten fast when I was sharing the story. My God, I would have a nervous yeah. breakdown. It literally it. all went. I didn't have a word left. And How I had, far were you on the journey? Were you I, almost there? I, I was almost there. I was almost there. Everything went. Everything. Wow. <laughs> so tell us about that word. Which one was that? That was a better word for African literature. Right. Was that a turning point in your life? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Because I then realized you can you can push through the difficulties. And I figured that, you know, it was it was never meant to be an easy ride. You're probably just meant to to hustle your way through it. All sorts right. of things come at you. And right. it'll be different for different people. Right. But then I realized challenges are no excuse for not getting ahead. Right. with what you're meant to do because the sort of fulfillment you get from finishing your book is beyond description. Mm. Let me, mm. I want to speak to somebody who prepared themselves for a long time and nobody's noticed them. Uh, and so what you are, let's, let's use Susan Bell's example to encourage somebody. I mean, at, at age probably 48 years, she appears on Britain's Got, has got Talent and then suddenly everybody's like, where have you been all these years? But... What they didn't know is that she had hustled and hustled and hustled. Nobody knew her. Nobody gave her a dog's chance, as they say. And one day, just one opportunity, and then the world sees. But how could a talent like this have been hidden? If somebody's listening and has nothing, nobody knows them, and they've been trying to write. Some say they've put together three manuscripts. Nobody's nobody's published them. They don't know what to do, where to go. Speak to someone like that about you. So I would touch on two things. I think the first thing is to at least begin the hustle. So there are some people who would be there in their minds, they feel like this is not the right time. 
or I just got married, I just had a baby, or this is going on, new job. So it's never the right time, so they never start the hassle. And I went through a bit of that before my first book, Circles, came out. I've always loved writing. I was writing blogs. I was writing on pieces of paper. I was writing short stories, but never did a full book to be published until I heard of a colleague who just got a book published. And I'm like, so what am I waiting for? Like, right. what really is this thing where I felt like first I had to go to school, then I was working, then this, and something was always holding me back. And then I just started. So the first piece of advice is start the hustle. Mm-hmm. Right. Just start it. Just Nike it. Just do it. Right. Just, just, just get on with it. And then the right. second part of the advice really is don't stop the hustle. I mean, wow. there will be moments Rule where... number one, start the hustle. Start it. Rule number two, don't stop because the hustle. Because sometimes you can, you can be in your mind so much looking for a perfect moment, looking for the stars to align, looking for everything to just say, oh, today's the day. But it won't look that perfect. The moment you want to start will not look that perfect, which is why just start it. No matter how difficult your life is and what you're going through, just start it. But then sustain it. Keep going at it. There'll be moments where it's difficult. You want to give up. You're telling the Susan Ball story. But just keep going at it. But also be flexible and be open. Don't be too fixed in your approach. A lot of people have what I call like an external locus of control mindset where everything is because of external environment and don't reflect and look at what am I doing? What could I do differently? How can I change my approach? And it's always something else's fault. So as you're continuing your hustle, just try and be flexible and think of different ways of doing things or approaching things and recognize that if it's not happening, it's not always about external opportunities. There might be some internal. My philosophy is you control what you can control. You can't control the world. Mm. So what you can control, think about that and try and make changes to that and see where it gets you. But also be realistic. I don't think we're all going to be the next Susan Boyle in terms of the international stage. So if not, will that cripple you? Will that kill you? What can continue to satisfy you is even if it's 10 people read it. And for me, that works for me. Even if it's 20 people, 30. As long as one person somewhere right. has read it, been touched by it, by the book and enjoyed it, it's some sort of fulfillment for me as well. Right. Yeah. I hear that's the that's the ultimate. That's the that's really what you must do to succeed as an author. Not set out there to make the money. No. Set out there to engage an audience and provide solutions for them. Provide an experience for them. Don't right. go for the fame. Right. <laughs> not not the fame, not the cash. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. Listen, I'm talking to two two great authors, trying to learn from them what it takes to write a book, what it takes to to get an audience, a, a readership. How do you bond with your readers? How do you connect with them? What, what style of writing must you must you pursue? Do you really believe what you write, or you write it because you want to write it? What what, what are the thoughts that go through your mind when you are writing? Can you tell that a book would be great before you write it, or you start and hope as you go along? There are so many questions I want to ask you. <laughs> I'm going to try and ask as many of them as possible. I like the part what you said about don't even wait until you write that big book start writing an article for some newspaper start writing a blog start writing something on facebook i would like you to comment on that elizabeth irene but those kinds of bits of writings that absolutely i i like the analogy which compares writing to a muscle right when you use a muscle it gets bigger it gets stronger and you can do much more with it and writing is very much like that the more you write the better you get at it so exercising your writing muscle by 
just diving into those blogs and those articles keeps you it keeps you nimble with your words it keeps you flowing otherwise you become rusty you become stiff and it does happen you sit down to write and you find that your 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 writing is very halting and if you keep practicing if you keep at it that is less likely to happen right so what about that banker Boachua, that banker i have a friend who is a regular listener to the show a medical practitioner in kentucky nana does wrote his first book at age 50 fantastic poet fantastic writer but he never explored it till age 50 i mean he took a, a bit of fighting <laughs> to get him to do it and, and and he writes so 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 extremely yeah. well yeah. i mean that person out there with that ability who yeah. thinks, well, I'm busy doing my medicine, I'm busy doing my banking, I'm busy yeah. doing my politics. I mean, former presidents, former finance ministers with a wealth of knowledge who haven't written. How do we get them to, to release these? Is there a place for ghost writers? Talk to me about that one. Well, so for those who truly have a story to tell and who have the talent and maybe haven't started, I think they need to come to that moment themselves. It's a moment. You just... It just comes, and then you realize, okay, I need to get started on this because it's like, it's like anything. When you keep putting pressure on someone and you keep repeating it, they'll never get there. They have to come to that moment and own it and make it theirs. If not, it becomes like a check the box. It becomes a task. It becomes an activity. And with writing, it has to come from inside you. So it has to be something you want to do. So I'd say you can continue encouraging people. You can continue showing them the way. You can continue sort of being supportive just so you are there for them to know that when they're ready and they want to start, they can write it. But for ghost writers, I think that can also help. Because when someone is writing a ghost writer, you're telling them the story. But they are sort of using your words and your narration to write the book itself. And that process alone can help people even start writing themselves. Right. So the, first, they narrate the first one will be done with yes. the ghost, and the second one will be done with the real human being. With the real... <laughs> <laughs> well, ghost writers are actual people. <laughs> right. And then eventually you can write it yourself. But right. just narrating, I mean, people have told me this process, where they're narrating, they're talking about, you know, my grandfather was this age, he did this and that, and they're telling a writer who's putting it together. When they see the words come to life, the way they've talked about it, it inspires them somehow if they're also interested in writing. Let's talk about disappointments. Um, Elizabeth mm. Irene, have you had disappointments as a writer have you done any project that you think you thought would turn out well didn't turn out well have you done something that you thought people would patronize very well and somehow they just didn't show have you had have you had disappointments as a writer i strangely have not had that many disappointments my disappointments have been more personal they have been me not achieving a goal that i have set for myself however by the time a book comes out, it's always been gratifying that I received the response that I wanted for it. So in terms of my book being released, have I had a disappointment? No. But in the writing process, have I had disappointments? Yes. Sometimes uh, there have been some personal challenges which have meant that I haven't set, I haven't met the targets I set for myself. And that puts a lot of internal pressure on me. Right. Have you, how, many, how many books have you done? I have four. Four. And, and, and what targets did you set? Tell us the targets. Well, very often you want you, you want to meet a certain publishing deadline, you and, and and you can't. You're doing everything, or you end up getting distraction dis- distracted. You need to do a book a year. No, I wish. <laughs> From your lips to the ears of God. <laughs> I actually that is my plan from now right. to write a book a year because I feel as if so much time has gone by. Right. I'm in my late 40s and I think to myself late 40s only four when I, 
only four because when I was six, I wanted to be a writer. I thought by this age, I'd have about 30 or 40. So to me, I'm not doing very well. I'm not doing very well. I I often feel disappointed in myself because I think um, I just allow myself to get too distracted. And it's difficult. There's so many good things. Are you a full-time writer? No, I'm not. I work full-time. I run a medical laboratory. That's right. my full-time job. Yes. <laughs> I work full-time. So you're constantly trying to carve out the time. And I get disappointed when I don't do that, when I get distracted. And I, I do get easily distracted. I'm a very social person. So people, <laughs> I, allow, I allow myself to get involved in people. And just, I'm still learning. I'm still learning how yeah. to carve out that time uh, and stick Alvin, to it. Honestly, you're talking about inspiring people on the phone. I'm inspired right now because I've been beating myself up that I haven't published in three years and I have three so listening to Elizabeth talk about where she is in terms of her age and everything and I'm like maybe ten years behind I'm like okay don't, don't panic you know because I'm saying you need to get you know um, Cheryl was just saying when is it coming when is part two coming right. you get that pressure yes, you feel yes. like you're a bit of a failure because you have not been releasing a book a, a year. year but a book mm-hmm. a year when you have a full time job mm-hmm. And they are real-life distractions. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, very difficult. Mm-hmm, so you need to be realistic mm-hmm. and give yourself uh, some room to just recognize what you're going through and put it out when you can. Yes. So thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, forget the listeners. I'm inspired. Job I done. I understand. I understand. <laughs> This is Springboard, your virtual university. So many people are listening out there and they are saying, listen, this is what we've always wanted to do. And of course, the first reaction on Facebook comes from who else? The, the Lagos... <laughs> Nana Aredamwa, he says, I wasn't going to miss this one for all the Amala in Lagos. Two of my favorite writers, Bachua and Bachua and I go back, way back to the mid-2000s when we both started publishing and used the same publisher in the UK. Let's talk about writer's block. Which one is that one? I've, I hear them say writer's block. <laughs> Tell me, Elizabeth, what, what, is, what is writer's block? Writer's block is basically when you have a block in your mind, you're unable to proceed further. Can it be caused by economic, political, <laughs> social, marital problems? Well, I, can, I can imagine that if you had um, problems, psychological problems, emotional problems, especially with us women, because these things tend to affect us a lot more than I would assume men do. Um, Jenny, yes, those, those. Problems, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you, you you set up on a writing journey and then halfway through you just you just get locked up. I must admit that that is also something I have never experienced. Although I read about this a lot you, you and I hear about naturals, it, but no, no, it's not that. You see, I tell you, I write down so much in terms of little tidbits. I, I generally have too much information. So when I start to write a story, the problem then becomes what do I leave out because I've pieced together so many tidbits that I'd like to put it weave into the story that I often I'm afraid that I'm going to over egg the pudding or it's going right. to be too rich. What do I take out? Right. Watcher, have you ever experienced a freeze halfway through a project? It just won't go. No, I think like uh, Elizabeth Irene, I haven't. And that's because so the process I used for the first book was it just flowed. I knew what I wanted to say chapter by chapter. And then for the second and third books, I mapped it all out. So before I started writing, I mapped out the outline for every single chapter. So I used more of a a scientific process. And then I had a target for every single week. I'm going to write 20 pages. I knew the outline. I was jotting things down in notebooks as I go along. So I never froze in the middle of the process. And one thing I also do, which really helped, is every week um, for all three books, I would send the chapter I've just finished to about three or four people. They would read, give me feedback before I continue. It's almost like they had a, 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 a TV series that what, they were waiting for their Sunday episode. What, what did they yeah. do to qualify as 
those three. They're just friends. friends. <laughs> okay. Supportive secrets, friends and family. <laughs> secrets, secrets of writers that you can yes. benefit from. Um, let me find out from my guests how they overcame the problem of... Let's settle down to this publishing thing. Elizabeth, I mean, it is a constant issue. But sure, you get to hear this often, right, don't you? Yes, and I've experienced it. So with my first book, I went to an external publisher, as Nana Damwa mentioned, mentioned on his In the post. UK? In the UK, uh, the royalties were up a small, like barely got anything. The whole process was very, very difficult. So for the second and third so fame, one... fame, but no money. You don't get anything <laughs> out of it. They're not really helping you with the marketing as they claim they will. So it was right. very difficult. And then so the second and third books, I just did it myself. So I set up an imprint. Um, I set up a company. I set up everything. But Amazon.com, so for anybody listening, has a, a, a service they use, Create Space. Right. So it is your own imprint. It is your own name and logo, your company name and logo. That will be at the back of the book. But they help you throughout the entire process. So from editing, from design, from formatting, from everything. And then they do the printing for it. It's really high-quality printing if you look at the quality of the books. So everything from start to finish, and they guide you through the process. You can set up phone calls. It was very, very easy. Did the last two books that way. I think I will continue to use them until I start to build something of my own. So for somebody listening out there, Create Space. How create Space through Amazon. It's a wonderful, wonderful service. Set up an amazing account. Go, go in there. You don't even need an Amazon account. You just go to createspace.com. Um, you fill sort of like a questionnaire. They'll reach out to you. They'll set you up. You send them your manuscript. They'll help you throughout the entire process. This could be probably the best advice somebody's received. CreateSpace.com. Just go and do it yourself. And Ghanaians, everybody's online. Right. And you can get it done. Is it a learnable skill? Or is, because people are asking about a resource center. Is there a place they can go to? Is it a natural ability or a learnable skill, Elizabeth Irene? I think it's both. You have... The desire and the talent you need, you need, you need to have a, a certain amount of talent. It doesn't have to be a lot because you can learn as well. If you have a lot, it helps. I think what has the greatest impact on your ability to write will probably be your discipline, because writing is it's 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 lonely. It's a lot more tedious than it seems. It's a, it's a lot of fun getting your initial idea and tapping out your your your, your draft for the the story. That's exciting. Oh yeah, this is going to happen. And so, so and then you actually have to do the work of showing up every day, as what you said. You know, so yes, yeah. start the hustle and don't stop the hustle. You set targets every day. Um, get some chewing gum, stick it to your bottom and stick it to the chair. <laughs> Just sit on that chair and write. Put your phone aside. You set a target. Is it five hundred words a day? A thousand words a day? Yep. What do you need to do to achieve that goal and you've got to do it otherwise you will find that two days goes by five days goes by three months six months and all you've done is half a chapter so you've got to have that dedication you've got to be disciplined enough to tell yourself i'm going to make create time and stick to it to show up be faithful to your to your writing show up for it otherwise it's never going to get done let's talk about the editor the role of an editor what you are educators about what editors yeah, do so i would say as writers we're very passionate about how we want to say something we're very passionate about this is the way i want to say because it conveys something so we sometimes struggle with editors but an editor is your friend. And if you get a really good editor, and I got some good editors in the U.S., they will help you bring your story even more to life. So a lot of writers out there struggle with critique, struggle with changing some format or flow or the words. So it's just a battle, a constant battle. But I would say do not fight the editor. Right. Because the editor also has a certain frame of mind, which is the audience, and also has a frame of mind of marketing, of, of the current environment you're in or the current age you're in. How is this going to sell? 
or how is this going to be marketed? You as a writer, you're just thinking about you and the story you want to tell and the way you want to tell it. And that's it. Like your frame of reference is very, very short and limited. But your editor is going to expand that for you. So don't fight the editor. Let them in. Work with them. And you'll have a better product at the end of the day. Many people think, well, I speak good English. And so I've edited my script. What would you, say, what would you tell them? Don't I self-edit. I, I, I would strongly yeah. advise that you do not do that. Yeah. Right. You need to have an editor look at it. And outside that, that's what you are did you need to have friends let, let friends look at it before the editor mm-hmm. they will probably ask you questions about your plots and so forth things that would not have struck you because you're so close to your work that you don't see what the reader might possibly see so it's definitely worth having an extra pair of eyes or five or ten pairs having a look at your secondary work. school english teacher assuming the secondary school english teacher has <laughs> a good command of the language that's all it takes to be an editor I would assume that you'd have to be a very good reader. You need to know what a good book reads like. Exactly. Yes, to be able to edit one. Right, so a great editor must have not just command of language, but understand the market. Yes, because you're looking exactly as what she was said. Exactly. What do the what do the readers want? What are they looking out for? Right. Let me end this discussion with the greatest obstacles, the greatest setbacks to a successful career as a writer. And I, I, want, I want to explore this theme to end the show every time because anytime this question is answered, it speaks to somebody who says, wow, this is exactly what I've been doing. And from now onwards, I'll do something different to get different results. What in your opinion, Boachua, let me start with you, are the three greatest, or even if you give me one big one, the greatest setbacks, barriers, impediments to a successful career as an author? So I, I think I can still give you three. One ties back to what I said earlier on, which is just that it. So you'll be inertia? Yes, like not moving, not, not getting it done. And it not just applies to writing. I think in any other creative world, we, we just take so long to feel like we want the stars to align. So just start it. And the second piece also is be clear on why you want to write. So that's number two is sometimes what is an obstacle is because of the end goal people give to themselves as to why they're writing. Like Honestly, ask yourself, do I truly enjoy writing? What do I want to get out of it? What do I want to make of it? Is it for the money, the fame, or for the love of the art? Right. And then the third thing really would be to be realistic and to treat it as you would anything else. So to quote what Elizabeth Irene said is the discipline. So right. be realistic. I don't think people treat art and writing almost like it has to be casual. It's no big deal. You just sat down and wrote a book. No, it is a big deal. It is a lot of work. So be realistic about how much work it takes and be prepared to commit to that work. So the first one is inertia. That's that's unwillingness to move. The second one is inability to to come to grasp with what it takes. So the lack of the discipline to do it and finish it. Well, that's the third. The second one one is why. Why do you want to write? The purpose. The The purpose. purpose. Right. Is it really true? passion and interest or is it just to make money like why are you writing right i would say i would say because and this comes from the conversations i have with people where they say oh i really want to write i don't have the time right that's what i hear over and over again it is the good things in life that are the obstacle it's because you obviously know when you're watching too much tv and that's why you're not writing but then sometimes it's your work or sometimes it's your family or sometimes it's your church obligations and and they're all good things and those things are always going to be there so the question you're going to ask yourself is how then am i going to despite these things which need to be done and it's like, so I always say it's the good things in life that are going to be your obstacles and you have to deal with them and 
somehow, some way, find the time to write. I'd say another obstacle would be your own fears and anxiety. Sometimes you think you're never going to make it. Sometimes you think nobody's ever going to read what I write. And as a result of that, that fear just holds you back. You, you're going to have to have that courage to say, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to upgrade my skills. If it means reading books about writing uh, that will give me confidence, just do that and get your story out. And the last one? Um, These two are actually... <laughs> I, like I think... I think... I about the good things. Take us home in, in 10 seconds. What would you like your listeners to remember about the show? Elizabeth Irene. I would like them to remember that if you really truly desire to write you've got to be disciplined you've got to commit to it you've got to upgrade yourself read the good books find books on writing i have tons of books which teach you the technique of writing you may have the talent but you need to nurture it you need to grow it and you can only do that by reading good books and by learning how to write it comes with practice so that's advice to those who want to write and read good books but you are take us home so i would say the same thing as elizabeth irene which is treated as something serious it's not just going to be something casual that you just Mm. wake up and two days later you've got a full book learn the art (laughs) like truly people think it's that easy but take it seriously and then you will make something out of it deny yourself take up your cross and follow thank you for listening to Springboard Zone an inspirational podcast by Arbet and Comfort Okran like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Arbet and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed.